0: Welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Praise God! Wow, well, the presence of God to me, and I'm sure to everybody here, is strong right now, powerful right now. And as we bring the word today, as I speak the word to you in just a minute, continue to receive from God, God doesn't want you to just have a passive experience in your home this morning. He wants you to engage with him or at least continue to engage with him and not sort of back off because now it's time for the word, but to continue to press in. You see, when, you, when you're worshipping, particularly at home, you're singing out loud. What are you doing? You are repeating the words of those songs. And as you speak the words of those songs, you are taking hold of them by faith. You're speaking truth over your life. And that's good to do when someone's preaching and giving a message as well. You take it hold of it. You, take, you say, yes, this. that's true. That's right for me. The guys here, they're not really supposed to be shouting out lots. But you can in your homes. You'll hear them clapping sometimes by the grace of God. But take hold of the truth. Continue to take hold of the Word. Don't be any less engaged just because there's a person preaching than you are when you're in worship. Focus on the Lord. Amen? Well, praise God. Thanks, guys. Right. you know the, So what are we going to do today? It's 2021. Everybody's hoping for a better year than 2020. But if we're really honest, if we look at what's happening right now, it doesn't seem an awful lot better than 2020, does it? If we look into the world, as the uh, Razorlight song goes, there's trouble in America. And there's, there's trouble in the UK as well. We've got uh, leaving the EU to, to, to learn to live with and to understand. We've got COVID-19, which seems to be uh, increasingly out of control right now at the moment, and the NHS is over, overpowered. There's so many things we can look at. But what we've just done is what we have to do, because we can't be an answer. We can't speak into these things unless, first and foremost, in our minds, in our lives, is Jesus. Jesus is before everything. Jesus is before your peace. Jesus is before your love. Jesus is before your family. Jesus is before your health. He is the number one. There is no other name. There's no other God. It's got to be Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our saviour. He's the one that died for us. He's the one we follow. He's the one we're laying down our lives for. And that's, It's making sure that we've got that focus. Because then the other things we can deal with and we can cope with and we'll be much stronger and able to do so. Because we're following the Lord, the way the scripture puts it, wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. If we have a half-hearted experience of Jesus, it it, it means we get a half- sort of response by faith into the things that are available to us, which is why God's called us and calls, even demands really, his people be wholehearted, fully after him, fully taking hold of him. Of course, we all have times where we fall from that kind of perfection and that standard. And that's absolutely fine because we come back to God every time. God knows you're not God. He knows you're not going to be as good at following God as Jesus was. But He is still our example. He is still our perfection. He is still our completeness to look at and say, that's what I want to be like. And you know, we actually can by the grace of God. And then when we stumble... We ask God for forgiveness and we get up and we move on. None of us are perfect. Everybody in this room, everybody watching this broadcast, you've probably already done stuff today that was selfish or hurtful or something that was sinful. It's human nature. We are fallen and yet restored by God. What what the strategy strategy is, is when we fall, we think that's it. We've done something that is too much now. We've done it again. We've, We've fallen yet again. It's like, oh, God can't forgive me. Of course he is. He's God. Jesus is enough. And when we feel that we can't be forgiven, we're saying that Jesus Christ dying on the cross for me wasn't enough. We're not bigger than Jesus, no matter what. That's why everything can be forgiven. It's outrageous, but it's true. So, our focus is Jesus. Our focus is looking to the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. That is one of the answers. That's from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You see, if you're rejoicing in God, there's got to be an outcome. If somebody says they're always rejoicing in the Lord and basically they're always mean and unfriendly, they're not. Because if you rejoice in the Lord... You have the fruit of the Holy Spirit and it will start to become evident. You will be changing. You will look different. You will feel different and others will know you are different. It's nothing that you will you know, desperately make yourself gentle. It's something that God will work in you if you work with him. And primarily we work with him by rejoicing and by praising and focusing on Jesus. The more I think about how gentle I've got to be, the more difficult it's actually going to be. No, there's nothing wrong with learning what it means to behave in a biblical way. Of course not. That's, that, that, that would be nonsense to say, oh, we don't have to learn anything about it. But it's when it becomes the focus. You know, I need peace, I need peace, I need peace. You're not going to get peace. Our peace is Jesus. I don't feel loved. I don't feel cared for. But if you focus on not feeling loved and not feeling cared for, that's what you will continue to sow. It, and, and I'm not condemning you for feeling like that. In fact, it's the opposite. I want to reach out and show the love of God to you. But when you feel like that, the answer is still, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You say, well, I don't feel like rejoicing. That's the point. We rejoice when we don't feel like rejoicing. We, we, we speak out truth. We sing out truth when we don't feel like it. Because we're saying, no. I will overcome my body. I will overcome my mind. I will live in the spirit that God has given me and He will enable me to walk in all the promises that He has for me. That's the people that we are. That's what God has equipped us to. Most of you watching, you've been part of Kingdom Faith in one way or another or here in Scarborough for years. This is what God has planted within us already. It's all there. It's a wonderful store. It's a wonderful reserve that's there. And it gets activated when we praise God. It's no good us feeling miserable and feeling down and saying, oh, God doesn't seem to be working. If we're not doing what God has asked us to do in partnership with Him, which is rejoice and worship and praise, even when everything says like, there's no point, it's all falling apart. It's not. God is not surprised by the pandemic. God is not surprised by the storming of the capital. God is not surprised by uh, us, the UK, leaving Europe or leaving the EU. God knows all that. His picture is so much bigger than the man's foibles. Do not be anxious about anything. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. What about if you are? The command remains. So if we are anxious, the first thing we acknowledge, and this is not to make us feel worse. This is enable us to get better. The first thing we acknowledge is that we're anxious. We don't try and pretend that we're not. But then now, on the other hand, do we phone 50 friends and tell them that we're anxious because as soon as we phone that many people, yes, talk to trusted friends, trusted leadership, get them to pray with you. But, But you don't start telling everybody all about it because what you do is you sew it back into you. What you speak is what you'll get. What you hear your voice saying again and again and again, your ears pick up on and say, oh, that's what we believe, is it? And you get into like a negative feedback thing, which is why we rejoice and why we speak out praise. You can't just think it. Now, I'm all for silent prayer. I love silent prayer. But also, you have to speak out the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, writes Paul in Philippians. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. God loves things that are praiseworthy. God loves the excellence. And the most excellent thing you will find is the Word of God. So that's a really good place to stand. But it doesn't mean only that. Look to the good. Look to the good things that are happening. Your social media will be full of negativity. Your Facebook page will have negativity and cactus. Which is coming at you endlessly. That is not going to build you up. Even if you really like cats, there's more. Okay. Whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, says Paul as their teacher, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So look to those Christian leaders that God has placed you with. They're not just there to... Organized stuff. They're there because you can look at their lives and see how God is also working in their lives that you can learn from them. You can't just be with a leader and listen to them as you are right now. Listen to them preach. You've also got to be seeing what else they do so that you can understand how God works in them, including the mistakes they make. And you can see how they overcome that and how they work through that. Because all leaders make mistakes and all leaders sin as well. But they're still called to be leaders. All leaders are imperfect. All, all leaders sometimes say negative things or get something completely wrong. But they're still leaders. They've still got that call. They've still got that anointing. And by the mercy and grace of God, they will continue to lead. So we're going we're to think today about something praiseworthy, something excellent, something brilliant as an example of where we are right now in 2021 as we go forwards into this year. Okay, it, For many of you, this is not going to be a surprising story because... You will have heard me speak on this before. The passages that I'm going to speak to you are something that has been on my heart for as long as I can remember. They became massive at one time when I was, uh, when I was leading uh, J247, the children's uh, and youth work down in Horsham. They became really, really big and really a part of what j four seven was. But they're not truths just for children. They're truths that are in the Old Testament that are for now. And every now and again, it's good to go back and see, OK, what's God doing here? What's the godly principles? What's going on that's relevant for every time and every generation? This is not a dry book. It's a life. You start reading this and you start doing this, and, you, and your world around you changes. But sometimes we just have to get back to it because everything else that's going on sort of drags us away. And, you know, even in lockdown, you can just get fed up of everything. And, you know, perhaps reading the Bible might be for you even the last thing you would consider. And yet it's the one thing that will get you through it all. You say, well, I, you know, I haven't really been in a great place and I've read the Word, but it seemed really, really dry. Well, keep reading until it isn't. If you're thirsty, you don't take a sip. You have to drink more and more and more. And then, generally, people say, we should drink more to be healthier anyway. Well, Reading the Word is like drinking water, except this is a spiritual water that nourishes us spiritually. It's not just about praying or doing things for others, though it is those things very much. It's also getting this Word into our lives. So I'm going to look at the story, the narrative, the account of when God's people were about to go into the promised land. Sure, it's a story we all know really, really well, but God will speak to you on it from it this morning if you listen to him. For some of you, some of you are new Christians watching right now. Some of you are new to this church and it's fantastic to have you come in and joining us. Uh, thanks for the conversation I had this week. Just somebody that's moved to be here. I won't say your names in case you're not ready for that yet, but you can say hello in the chat because you know who I'm talking about. Um, But exploring Canaan, Moses. Now, the first part of Numbers chapter 13 is where I am. There's a very crucial three words. The first three words of this chapter are very important to understanding. What goes on? And they are the Lord said. Okay? We act on the Word of God, whether it's from here or as God speaks to us through one another, directly by the Holy Spirit. Though, of course, when God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit, it, we shouldn't think, right, I've got it, I'm doing it. Or Everything we hear from God, we test with one another and we discern the truth. Whether you're, it's about for you personally, or maybe you're part of a team that does stuff in the church and you think, right, this is what we've got Share it with the team. Say to the team, what is God saying to us? In your house churches, be asking the question regularly. What is God saying to us? And if everybody says, I don't know, then get into the Word and get praying because you will. Most of the time, in my experience, when people say, I don't know, it's more that they haven't really got the confidence to say what's already in them. And sometimes you've just got to start saying a couple of words and it all starts pouring out because it's all in there, you know? He just keeps coming and coming and coming. It's One of the problems of Paul Abel preaching is that there's so much stuff in there through through the years that it, it, it just starts to pour out and I don't get finished. You have experienced this regularly, haven't you? Anyway, the Lord said, and the Lord said to Moses, the Lord spoke to the leader of God's people at that time and said, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So this wasn't just any old bunch that got sent. It was a leader from each tribe. It was a called uh, person of God, called man of God in this case, a called person with God's anointing on them, to go and explore the land. And they were already in some form of leadership. And that's why they were chosen, one from each tribe, to go and spy out. And it was the Lord that said, do it. So they got this word from God to go and explore the promised land, as we call it. In other words, to explore the promises. And that's what we do all the time. Even right now, as I'm speaking to you, we're going into the promised land. As we read the word, we are going into the promised land. We are exploring it to find out what's in there so that we can take hold of stuff. And when we um, take hold of the word of God in the context in which we live, so we're taking hold of the promised land and the promised land has to come to life as we live it in the area that God has placed us. It's not disconnected. You can't just read this and read this and study this and read this. You'll just blow up. Uh, you, you, it's, there's got to be outlet. It's got to make a difference. God calls people to land. God pulls people to place. We've been placed here. And to know what we're going to do in place, where we are, whether it's Scarborough or Hammond or wherever you're living right now, whatever village, whatever town that you're in, God has called you to be part of this body to enable you to do what He's given you to do as part of the body and in the place that you are. Okay, that that the emphasis on place might vary. Maybe some of you will flourish in a ministry in your workplace rather than in your neighbourhood. But even so, there's still a context in which we're called to our neighbourhood. It's just the way God is. You look again and again in Scripture. Jesus didn't hover above the earth and give a gospel message. He came and was born. In Bethlehem, we know the the town, we know the village in which he was born. We know he grew up in Nazareth. We know he walked around Galilee. This was God. He could have gone to multiple places all over the earth if he'd wanted to. But he was showing us a pattern for what was to come. Now, so at the Lord's command, verse 3, it's emphasizing again, they're doing what God has told them to do. These guys, I won't write, read out the long list of names. We haven't got the time. These names of the men, Jesus, uh, sorry, not Jesus, Moses. Moses sent, I suppose it was Jesus indirectly, but sent Moses. Moses. <laughs> okay, we'll start again. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, and Moses go, Oshia, son of Nun, the name Joshua. Okay. And when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, this is going to be the land that's the promised land. They're exploring what is it that God has given to us. Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like, whether the people there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? What's happening here? It goes on more. What's the soil like, etc.? They are looking at what's out there. They're using their God-given intelligence to understand under the anointing what it is they face. That's why we study areas. That's why we use our resources to understand what will connect with people. Even under the Holy Spirit, even under the anointing, God will cause us to use our minds. Our minds have been renewed, not removed. These are God-given. Our thinking capacity is part of who we are just as our running capacity or whatever other capacity, it's all for, it can all be anointed and used by God for His purpose and to bring glory to Jesus. So they go and explore. They go to all these different places. And it says, "...when they reach the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes." Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. This was massive amounts of fruit. It was a prophetic message from God of talking about what will happen when you're in the land. You will be very, very fruitful. Just as God has said to us in different ways over the years, He talks about us being fruitful. That doesn't just mean people being saved. It means people growing in God. It means being the light in a dark world. It means a society or a town being changed because of who you are. It is people being given new hope. It's the whole package. Though, of course, we want people to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. So they're carrying it back with this massive cluster of grapes. And at the end of 40 days... They return from exploring the land. So far, so good, really. This is all good. The Lord said to Moses, they go and explore, just as the Lord says to us, explore your land, explore the promises I've given you, take hold of the promises of God that are in this word and see them in the context of the land around you. That's good. We're doing that. Maybe there's different ways we could do it, but we're doing it. And notice these guys that have gone in, they are leaders that God has chosen because they're going to come back. The reason they are leaders, why God has chosen these leaders, is he wants them to be envisioned by the Word, full of the Word. Leaders have an additional responsibility to be full of the Word. That's why they have an additional accountability. And that's why they're worthy of double honour, because there's more pressure on them, if you like. Um, But because they're going to take what they've seen and now they've got to convey that vision. They've got to convey that promise to the people so all the people will take on board the promises of God and what God is saying so that they can all go in together. They are the influencers. And if you are an influencer. You say, well, I thought you were talking about leaders. Yes, but this is where I annoy some people and tell you that everybody is in leadership. Now... I don't mean that everybody is called to be the senior leader of the church like me. What I mean is that everyone is called to be an example when I say that. It's not even that they're called to be. You just are. If you are a Christian, you are there to be light. You are there to be sought. You're not to be hidden under a bowl, but to, to shine. Yeah? And you do. So all of us are leaders but then there is also this context of leaders who take it and communicate it. Not because they are superior, not because they are set apart, but because that's the call of God on their lives. We all have the call of God in our lives. It just works its way out in different ways. Okay. So they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Again, good, yeah, fruit, wow, oh yeah, come on. I don't know what was going on in the people at this point, but I bet when they first saw that fruit, they were like, wow, this is good. (laughs) Look what God is promising. He's promising that we're going to be fruitful and look at the size of those grapes. What can we do with those? But at this point, it just starts to trigger in the wrong direction. They gave Moses this account. And you could say it's a matter of words, but I think it's really, really significant. Because what they say is, we went into the land to which you sent us. You say, yeah, that's right. No, it's not right. Their perspective has changed. Their faith has moved. Because at the beginning, it said, The Lord said to Moses, the Lord said, each tribe send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses, it was the Lord, the Lord, the Lord had sent them into the land, not Moses. Because as soon as you shift your focus from God to one of his leaders, and in this case, one of the best leaders of God's people there's been, Moses, you begin to lose faith in the provision of God and what God can do because you start looking at the fallible person and Moses was fallible even though he was a great leader. And you start to lose faith in what can be accomplished and what can happen. So when these guys came back and said, "You sent us," yes, technically, yeah, okay, Moses stood there, but they knew they'd discussed, they'd got in prayer. It would been clear the Lord had said to Moses, the Lord had said to Moses, "Send these leaders," and the Lord, at the Lord's command, they had gone. But they didn't come back and say, "The Lord sent us into this land." They came back and said. Moses centers, and if you think the leader is telling you to do this and do that you come under an, you also come under pressure because you can't do you won't not have what you need to do what a human being has done. A human being cannot promise you, you will have everything you need. A human being cannot say to you, nothing is impossible with me. Only God can say that. So if we start to look at the leader and blame the leader for all, I don't know, your lack of courage or the lack of growth in the church or the lack of healing or the lack of... You you start to focus on the lack of and the humanity of the situation and your faith will be pulled down, which is why we've got to focus on Jesus. It's still the same message as not focusing on Brexit or COVID-19. We've still got to look to God first, foremost, and utterly to understand everything else in perspective. Are you with me out there watching? I can't hear you say yes, but I still feel like I need to ask you. There's a lot of clapping hanging hanging in the room. No, happening in the room. Thank you. Right, come on. We need to get on with this. Stop. Even though you're in there in television land, or, or smartphone land. I still feel like you keep holding me up. Stop it. All right. It's not true, of course. We went into this land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Now, you see, they've still got the faith to see this is a great place. This fruit here. But their focus has come off the Lord and on the leader. And it's deadly. Absolutely deadly. <clears throat> But the people that live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. There's variants of this that you can talk about for our land. We've got the problem of COVID-19. There's the EU. Other people on the street are not very pleasant. I've been bullied here. This happened to me. There's always that side of things. We even saw descendants of Anak here. Yeah, very big people. And and they list all these troublesome people. Don't let people take you away from the call of God that's on your life. They are just people. You worship the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Redeemer, our Saviour. Don't let other people speak rubbish into your life. Or even worse, Caleb has a go. Joshua and Caleb are two of the guys that have gone in that are not letting go of the fact that God sent them. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Now you could criticise him here. He doesn't say God's given it to us, but you can see that it's well within him that he knows that this is God's plan. And once we know it's God's plan, we can use that language. We can certainly do this. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. Listen, when you look out into our society, it's stronger than we are. It's a fact. But it's not stronger than the God we worship. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And there's nothing like gossip for destroying faith in a community. Bam! It's gone. It's washed. All those people that had seen the fruit and were initially excited, now the leaders have, have, have come, the ones that they've had, they've, they've not focused on God. People have taken on board this message and now they are promulgating that message of, this is hopeless. We can't do it. It's too much. They said, uh, we we look like grasshoppers in in our own eyes and we look the same to them. And this message gets spread throughout. We can't do this. Don't know what Caleb's on, but, you know, rubbish. This is, we can't do this. Moses is wrong. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. They were crying. What were they crying over? God had just shown them the promised land. God had shown them the fruit of the promised land. But they were crying because they were believing the gossip and the negativity that had picked up on because they weren't from uh, some people that weren't focused on Jesus. It's so easy to happen. You get it. Not, I'm not just talking about in church, but if, you, if your focus becomes key influencers who are speaking out loudly on television or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it is, TikTok, it, can remove, it, will, it will slowly wither away or even fastly wither away your faith in God and what He can do. And because they've got this doubt and because their focus has become human instead of godly, And they're grumbling and complaining. And there's nothing like grumbling and complaining to remove people from the presence of God. It's very hard to experience the presence of God. Why is it the Lord is bringing us to this land, only letting us to fall by the sword? Where did they get that from? The other human beings is where they got it from. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Suddenly, because their focus had come off God, Moses is no longer good enough. I mean, how wrong were they? What an amazing leader this man was. But because of this focus change, this focus shift into, we've got to do what Moses says rather than what God says, that's now become, we need a new leader. We need someone who can really lead, that really listens to us that really listens to our fears and anxieties and leads us in our fears and anxieties so we can go in the opposite direction to which God has called us so we can go back into slavery and at least we know what we're doing. Serious, really serious. Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly uh, gathered there. They're just like, oh my God, what's going on? Probably It's like, worship God. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire uh, Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Leaders who are hearing God and not the fears and anxieties of the people. The leaders, the other 10 leaders, are now hearing the anxieties of the people. So they are now leading from a pure human point of view, and they're leading in the spirit Of what's going on. Well, the spirit of what's going on here is fear and anxiety. Our children are going to be taken from us. So, because they've said this, because they've got leaders who are speaking the word of God and they're saying, Well, it's too much pressure, we can't do it. You know, you 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 shouldn't you shouldn't do that to us. You shouldn't put that pressure on us. You shouldn't you shouldn't say this is what we've got to do because this is what God's saying. You know, think about our situation, is what's going on. And it gets so extreme, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, these men of God, speaking the word of God, speaking the promise of God, let's stone them. And all it started with was, to which you sent us. They came off, this is God leading us, To it's Moses leading us. Now, of course, Moses was their leader, but God is the leader. God was the person who had said. Those are the promises we hold on to, even as we do as a local church community. Don't look to me. Don't look to any other leader in this church, Adrian, Brian, anyone in the Corona team. Don't look to them for goodness sake, or you'll end up in the same place over time because you'll think, I don't know if they're good enough. I don't know if they're old enough. I don't know if they're intelligent enough. I don't know if they're wise enough. Haven't they seen how big the problems are? You can bet they have seen how big the problems are. But they're looking to God, knowing that He is the one that enables us to take hold of all the promises that He has given us. Now, I've broken my own rules and spoken for too long, but this is kind of a a fundamental word going into this new year. Okay, that's why I'm speaking today to say this is what God is giving to us right now. Will you stand with all of us together and take the promised land together? Will you? As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua would famously say much later on, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We won't look to humanity and humans. We will look to the Lord. We will trust in Him. We will trust in our God to do what He has said He would do. The promises of God. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting. Now, I don't want to go into this because we haven't got the time. But basically God turns up and he tells Moses what to do next. And because of this, the Lord say, and and, and God, God says, I feel like just wiping them off the face of the earth. I mean Wow. <laughs> and Moses is saying, No, 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 you can't do that. The Egyptians will hear you. I mean, what God is enabling is for Moses to still love his people, even though they want to stone him. He's, because Moses here is expressing their salvation, even though they want to kill him. Uh, and, and so there's just, it's just a very simple line where the Lord replied, I've forgiven them as you asked. Of course he had. He was always going to. But he wanted Moses to be fully with him in that, and to see that and understand that. And then comes this terrible thing from the Lord, because he says, all those who would not trust in the promise of God all those who have mumbled and complained and groaned will not go into the promised land. They will wander in the desert for 40 years until that generation has died off. And all the children that they were worried about, all the 20s and under, as it turns out in this, will be the ones that inherit the fullness. Now, don't think, always oh, that what oh, God's saying that? specific. God is not saying that specifically to us about just the under 20s you've got to take the principles of what's going on. And I've been trying to tell you what the principles are as we go through, and at least focus on some of the ones that I think are very relevant to us right now. And where I want to finish is what I I love this verse, because I think it is so good. So he's told the people of Israel, as they will be, that they're not going to go into the promised land. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't, get, he doesn't neglect them. He looks after them for 40 years. He, 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 he provides food. He provides clothes. He provides shoes. He doesn't like stuff you, see you in 40 years' time. He walks with them through the desert. But this also happens. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on over no, to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? No one who has treated me with contempt All the negativity was aimed at those who were trying to tell them about the promises of God. But God saw that as contempt. Why? Because God said, well, these are the people I've chosen. So if you are like this about them, what you're saying is it's my fault. It's God's fault. God's not good enough. Now, then God throws this in. And this is Numbers 14, verse 24, where... I will finish with as a sort of a final promise for you to have. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out towards the desert along a route towards the Red Sea. Those two verses together, we must finish with. I haven't got much time to speak on them, so just very briefly. Caleb has a different spirit. It is, The word literally means he's a person with another heart. He's not, he's not satisfied with, that'll do. Caleb wants to take hold of everything of God. He has that, that wholehearted spirit, that spirit of excellence that says, I want to do the best that I can for God. Sometimes people think to talk about excellence puts too much pressure on people. That's a misunderstanding of excellence. Excellence just means we're called to do what God has called us to do, and we do it wholeheartedly. That's what excellence is. And different people will do things in different ways. When your five-year-old comes home for school and brings a picture at home of mummy... You don't think well? It's not as good as the Mona Lisa. That's rubbish. You need a spirit of excellence, Jamie. All right, that could a bit that that picture probably, Jamie. Knowing most kids when they draw a picture of their mum, they probably put heart and soul into it. And to him, it's better, far better than the Mona Lisa ever could be. That's what excellence is. It's not about everything being the standard of international performers. It's about things being wholehearted and doing the best that we can. Oh, that yeah, that I can do better than that. Not to put a pressure on ourselves either, but to just know that God can do these things through us. Don't get pressured into being what you're not. That's what usually where that goes wrong, is again we take our eyes off God and put our eyes on humanity and think I'm not as good at playing drums as Nigel, so I'm not not fit for the kingdom of God. I I can't play drums as well, so God could never use me. I can't can't get to that standard of excellence, so I couldn't be in the worship team. It's all about being wholehearted and, 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 and acquiring skills within that. It's not... You you can't just go and play drums if you've never played them before and you never learned how to. If you're going to be wholeheartedly wanting to play drums in the worship team because you love what Nigel or Ellis do on a Sunday, then you're going to have to get yourself to a place where you can play with a band, aren't you? But you'll do it wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. So he had this wholehearted, different spirit. And I believe... That, that is what I'm encouraging and speaking over every single person who's part of this church for 2021 and beyond, of course. But we need to be like Caleb, a wholehearted people of a different spirit. Why was his spirit different? Because Caleb was trusting God and not humans. He had been encouraged by the fruit of the land, but he was still trusting God, not the people carrying the fruit. And so because he's following him wholeheartedly, gets this promise, I will bring him into the land he went to. God says, you will receive all the promises that I have spoken over these people, even though you're too old. You're not, going to be under, you're not under 20. So according to what God had said, that's it for him. I mean, Joshua has the same thing. He goes into the promised land. But Caleb, I will bring him into the land he went into and... And this is really important for those of you who are becoming parents and going to be parents and have grandchildren because it says, and his descendants shall inherit it. That's a promise I'm claiming for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren and so on unless Jesus comes back. And of course, it's not just your uh, blood descendants. It's those who you lead to the Lord and become your family because you're part of the family of God. You can have many, many children in God. Well, this promise, is, then God is promising that your descendants will inherit these promises, will take hold of these promises. The word inherit there is your, uh, your ash. And it can also mean not just inherit, but to possess and take hold of. It's not merely a Passive thing, it's an active thing because the promises of God are something that we actively take hold of. The promise of the promised land was not passive, it was active. It was go and take it, deal with the problems. The promises of God that we have now is love will never fail, salvation, <coughs> salvation to all who believe in his Son, new life in Jesus Christ, the peace of God, the rest of God, abundant life in Jesus. I mean the list is endless. All those promises are also active. We have to take hold of those promises and live them out in the land that we have been given to us. Don't be like verse 25, where God says to them, so now you've got to turn back from seeing those promises. Because if you, if you look to humanity, what happens is you effectively turn back from what God has done. And you're saying, well, I heard God, but I don't trust him to fulfill it. Whenever we're doubting other humans, actually, it's back to God. And it's God that we're actually treating with contempt. This is not to say, don't ever criticize a leader. Don't ever have a discussion with a leader. Please don't get caught up in all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying at all. This is completely different to that. Don't hear something that I've not said. Okay, let's stand. I know some, some of the guys in the room said, stood with me uh, earlier when uh, I said stand. <laughs> but I didn't actually mean you needed to stand at that point. I was just saying it, but it was awesome. You actually really encouraged me when you stood, so thank you. Right, so are we all standing? We're going to just say the words of Joshua together to finish this morning. We're not going to go back into worship or a time of ministry. And what he said was, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I'll say that one more time so that you've got it. And then we can all, we're only going to say it once because we only really need to say it once before God. But the words are, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And you're going to say that regardless of whether your family are Christians or not, because you're also speaking prophetically in prayer over them. Okay, so we're going to say that all together. I'll say it once more for those of you who are not familiar with it. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Okay? We're going to do that together then. I'll I'll count us in on three so that we know we're all doing it together wherever we are. One, two, three. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Amen. God bless you, everybody. We will serve the Lord together. Amen. God bless you.